Please join me in the prayer for illumination found in your bulletin. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and the word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. And the lesson from the Old Testament is from Jeremiah 1, verses 4 through 10. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I anointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, truly I do not know how to speak, for I am only a boy. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a boy, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to pull down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. The word of God for the people of God. And if there are any children here in the sanctuary who want to come up here and join me and Pastor Will and Pastor Kay for a minute, and if you're worshiping online, just get a little closer to your screens. Come on up. I'm so glad to see you. Yeah, come on down. There we go. Good job. You're welcome. Welcome. Glad to see you. A seat. Welcome. Yeah, come on up here. One of the things we do as a church family is we read the Bible together. And we are reading a part of the Bible that has a lot of books written by people called prophets. Ever heard that word before? A prophet. A prophet was someone who God called and said, I want you to speak to my people. I want you to help the people know who I am, to know that I love them, and to know how I want them to act. And one of those prophets was a man named Jeremiah. And Miss Shara just read a story to us about Jeremiah. And when God first called Jeremiah, he was really little. Maybe he was even as little as you are. And God said, Jeremiah, I want you to be my prophet. And Jeremiah said, I can't do that. I'm just a little boy. I'm too young to do that. And God said, don't worry about that. I will help you. And that just reminds me that sometimes we think being young means we can't do things. I mean, there are certain things you're too little to do. You're too little to drive, right? You're too little maybe to go see some kinds of movies. You may be too little to, you know, go on a trip by yourself. But you're not too little for God to use you. 
And you can help all of us know God's love and know what God wants us to do just by being you. So when you say a kind word to someone, when you give a hug to someone and say God loves you, you're kind of being a prophet. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we thank you so much for all the prophets in the Bible. We thank you especially today for Jeremiah, who was really young when you called him. Help all of us to know, no matter how young we are or how old we are, that you can always work through us to bless your world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for the ways you help me see God. Okay, if you're two, I'm sorry, three, four, or five, you can go to Children's Church with Pastor Shannon and Pastor Kay. Yeah, there we go. And if you're older than that, you can go back and sit with friends or family. I've always admired people who don't worry about what other people think, who are willing to say what they believe, to say what they think, or to do what they think they need to do, and not worry about other people's opinions, not worry about making other people mad. Now, I don't know a whole lot of people like that. I'm certainly not like that. I'm a people person, kind of a people pleaser, and it matters to me if people like me or if they get mad at me for something. It still gets to me. But I admire people who don't struggle with that. And it's part of my spiritual journey to work more into that. My mom was one of those people. When she died 10 years ago, after a long journey with Alzheimer's, which makes it all the more special that the Sunny Day Club started 10 years ago, 2013, the year of her death, my family asked me to speak at her funeral, which was a great honor and a privilege. And as we were talking about what we wanted to highlight about my mom, we were joking about, you know, one day we should just write a book of all of mom's sayings, all the things she used to say. So we just started calling them out, writing them down. And I realized at least half of them were some version of kiss my foot. <laughs> she would have, kiss my foot. Go jump in a lake. Just scratch them. Or my favorite, which I've never heard anyone else say before, tell them to go butt a stump. Have you ever heard that before? I think it's like a deer with the antlers butting a stump. Just tell them to go butt a stump. But she, as a parent, was always telling us that. So don't worry about what other people think. Just be who you are. Do what you think is right. And people make fun of you. Don't worry about it. Easy for her to say. Not as easy for a 14-year-old sometimes to live out, or even a 54-year-old. But I admire that about her. When I think about the prophets of the Old Testament, all these great names, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, I imagine they were people a lot like my mom, just bold and courageous, going out there and pronouncing the word of God, speaking words of judgment, speaking words of comfort and hope, and not worrying about what people thought. Now, some of them may have been that way, but I'm not sure that was the case with Jeremiah. Perhaps more than any other prophet, we get an, a glimpse of the inner life of Jeremiah. We have both the book of Jeremiah and the book of Lamentations, which goes with the book of Jeremiah, that seem to reveal to us a prophet who struggled at times. He was told from a very young age that he was called by God to speak a word to the nations 
and to the word to God's people. And often it was a word of judgment, calling them out because God wanted them to know it wasn't about the perfection of their worship. It's about their heart and how they're neglecting the poor and the the lost and they're not living out the will of God as God would want them to. It's a hard word for Jeremiah. And there were times, I don't know how many times in the book of Jeremiah, we hear him say, ah, Lord God, please don't make me do this. Ah, Lord God, this is so hard. Ah, Lord God, my heart is breaking for my people. He carried all of that with him. And it wasn't something he had fun doing, saying hard things to his people. And yet he did it anyway. We hear him in the 20th chapter in conversation with God and himself. And he says, I would like to shut my mouth. I would like to keep this word of the Lord inside of me and not have to say it. But there is a burning in my bones and I cannot hold it in. The word of the Lord was so powerful in him. He couldn't stop himself. He had to speak God's truth as he understood it to be, as hard as it was for him. And his people didn't like him very much. He was not a popular guy. The picture on the bulletin depicts him in a way that I think of him very much alone with the word of God sitting in front of a city in shambles. Let me tell you a little bit about the history of where he is in this moment. I want to give you a history lesson if you're willing to listen. And if you're not, just imagine what my mother would say. Uh, Just kidding. Sorry. Uh, So Jeremiah was called to be a prophet in a very tumultuous time in the history of Israel and Judah. The Assyrian Empire had come in from the north and conquered Israel, and their empire had stretched all the way to Egypt. But when Jeremiah was born and came into his adulthood, the Assyrian Empire was weakening and beginning to crumble. And so there were other leaders who were trying to step into the vacuum. There was Babylon, and there was Egypt, and then there were some in Judah and Israel who wanted to assert their own autonomy to get the king to to claim power again. And so there were all of these political advisors and priests and leaders trying to influence the king. Jeremiah was one of the only ones saying, don't go with Egypt and don't fight the king of Babylon. Just let this take its course. Babylon will come and it will conquer the land. But there is hope. Trust in the Lord. And nobody wanted to hear it. He was thrown into the stockade. He was thrown into prison. He was thrown into a pit of a cistern and left there to die of hunger. And eventually he was carted off to Egypt against his will. And that's where we last see him. His life was hard. And yet he never gave up speaking a word of the Lord to the people, crying out for God's, in God's behalf, for justice and mercy and trust and faith. You have been putting your faith in other gods, he said. Trust in God, even as this army comes down from the north. God is with us and will restore us. He had a hard time of it. And he died a very unpopular prophet. 
but he's not the only one. We stand in a long history, a long line of the prophets of God, the people of God, who have lived faithfully and done what they could to live out their purposes, God's purposes in their lives, and bumped up against opposition and persecution and threat. And I don't think it was easy for most of them. Most of them probably lived with a lot of fear and a lot of uncertainty, but they did it anyway. Of course, I think about Jesus as an example. In just a few weeks, yay, we'll be in the New Testament. We'll be getting into the life of Jesus, into the Gospels. When we see Jesus at the beginning of Luke's Gospel, as one example, he goes into his hometown synagogue. So he's talking to his own people, the people who helped raise him. These are church folks, good old church folks. And he gives his first sermon. He reads from the prophet Isaiah, the Lord has appointed me, anointed me, to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And then he gives two sermon illustrations showing how two people who weren't even Jews were healed and saved by God. And the people in the synagogue didn't like it. Wait, you're... you're you're one of us. Aren't you supposed to tell us that God is for us and God is on our side? What do you mean about these Gentiles? And they dragged him out of the synagogue and tried to throw him over a cliff. When we get to the book of Acts, we see the apostles, Peter and John, after Jesus has been raised from the dead, they are going into the temple one day and on the steps is a man and they heal him in the name of Jesus. And the word gets out to the religious authorities who thought this problem was over because they'd gotten rid of Jesus and they wanted to maintain their power and the status quo. And here come Peter, I keep wanting to say Paul, Peter and John, who were doing things in the name of Jesus and drawing a crowd again. So they haul them in front of them after spending the night in prison and they say, what are you doing? How did you heal this man? And they said, we healed him in the name and power of Jesus the Christ. And they said, we're going to let you go, but stop talking about that guy. Just don't talk about Jesus anymore. And they said, whether it is better for us to obey you or God, you decide. But as for us, we will not stop preaching in the name of Jesus. They had a fire in their bones. They couldn't stop. They had to keep doing what they were doing, even though they were being dragged in front of the same group of people who participated in Jesus' crucifixion. Keep going down the line of these great prophets who've lived before us, and I can't help but land on the Wesleys, the founders of our Methodist movement. At annual conference this year, we had a wonderful learning session with a woman named Dr. Ashley Boggan who's the head of the General Board of Archives in History. And I saw that on the agenda and I was like, oh. But it was the most exciting moment of annual conference for me in many ways. She talked about the history of the Wesleys. And she started with Samuel and Susanna, the parents of John and Charles. Samuel Wesley was an Anglican priest and the Anglican church was very structured. Lots of rules, decorum, and if you were a parish priest, then you were the only one authorized to preach or teach in your parish, 
unless you had a curate who would be sort of your associate pastor. But that parish was yours. Samuel Wesley was serving in a parish, but he had to be away for several weeks, and so he left his curate in charge. His curate was apparently a terrible preacher, not a good pastor, and so Susanna Wesley took it upon herself to invite members of the parish into their home, the parsonage, on Sunday evenings for Bible study and a little bit of preaching. So Susanna Wesley begins to preach to the congregation in her home, and then eventually more people are showing up at the house than are showing up at church on Sunday morning. In an era when women were not allowed to preach in the Anglican church, in an era when no one except the curate or the priest was allowed to preach and teach. And so she gets a letter from her husband, who had gotten word of all of this, and he says, you know, this is not proper. You probably should stop. And she wrote back and said, if you command me to stop, I will. And he knew his wife, and he didn't command her to stop. <laughs> he knew who he had to come home to. But even then, the, the burning in her bones for the people in her parish to be hearing the good news of Jesus Christ, it wasn't happening in the church on Sunday for whatever reason, and she had to speak. And she broke some rules to do it. The title of Dr. Boggan's talk was called Spiritual Vitality. And she was calling on Methodists to remember where you're supposed to be a little vile. Now let me tell you where that word comes from. John Wesley was later ordained a priest in the Anglican Church. He wasn't assigned to a particular parish at a particular moment in his life, but he got a letter from George Whitfield. Some of you know George Whitfield, the great evangelist in England. And Whitfield had begun preaching to the coal miners and their families in the north of England, out in the field, just out in the open, in someone else's parish. Well, not supposed to do that in the Anglican church. So he invited John Wesley to come up and join him. The Holy Spirit is catching fire here among these coal miners and their families. Come and join me. And John was like, I'm not, I don't, you're not supposed to preach outdoors. That's vile but I'll come and see. So he went up to the north of England, and when he saw what God was doing in the lives of these people and their families, how the gospel was reaching people that the established church was not, he changed his mind. And he wrote in his journal, he was a meticulous journal keeper, and he said it was on four o'clock on this particular day, I submitted to become more vile to go out into the margins, to break decorum for the sake of the gospel. Dr. Boggan gave this talk at a church in Memphis, apparently, and afterwards they designed a t-shirt and it said, vile, it's four o'clock somewhere. <laughs> but it's part of our heritage. It's part of who we are, that we are those who, who bend the rules sometimes. We are those who always aren't popular with the status quo. We have the prophets and those who've gone before us who are willing to speak the truth and challenge those in power who want to keep the status quo as it is and who find ways to make room for the Holy Spirit to move in ways that are unpredictable and uncontrollable. This is our heritage. 
and yet it's scary. There are times when I have run into people in the community or even in the parking lot who will say, I don't believe your church sign. I don't think God loves everyone unconditionally. And there are those who would oppose us in ways that might make us uncomfortable. But as a people pleaser, I don't wanna make anybody mad. It might even make us afraid. But that doesn't mean we can withdraw our witness from the world. Look at these prophets. Look at Jesus and the apostles and the Wesleys and all of those who've gone before us, who had the courage to live out the love of God in the world, no matter what the consequences, who were willing to be vile, to be weird, to be nonconformist for the sake of spreading God's love in the world. It doesn't mean we won't be afraid or tremble or shake in our boots sometimes. Jeremiah certainly did. But we can go back to this call story that Shara read for us. And Jeremiah said, oh, Lord God, I'm, I'm too young. I'm, a, I'm just a boy. I can't do this. And all those times throughout his ministry, I, I don't want to do this. This hurts. And God continued to say, do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and I will protect you. It's not your words, Jeremiah. It's my words. It's not your ministry. It's God's ministry. It's not our calling. It's God's calling on us. So let us be of good courage. Let us go forth to be more vile.